Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody say, I'm in the right place at the right time. Do you believe it? I think you do believe it or you wouldn't be here. Praise the Lord. And so he's got something special for all of us today. Praise God. We celebrate his resurrection. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise the Lord. You can go ahead and fade that out for me. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's uh, look in Luke's gospel this morning. We celebrate his resurrection power. We celebrate him every day, of course, as Christians. Without the resurrection, we've got absolutely nothing. Amen. Without the resurrection, we've just got religion. (laughs) There's plenty of religion out there with no life. Anybody say amen to that? But Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. Why? Because God raised him up from the dead. Praise the Lord. He conquered death. I said, he conquered it. I read a quote from a pastor. uh, Actually, I read it this morning on Facebook. He said, while the disciples were mourning his death, Jesus was conquering it. I like that. While his disciples were mourning his death, Jesus was conquering it. You know, we can look at, and we're going to look here in Luke chapter 24, Uh, Luke's account of the resurrection and what happened. But you know, I think sometimes uh, as is easy when we get into church, when we're familiar with events in the ministry of Jesus, whether it's in the gospels or whether you picture the movie version of something, uh, you know, whenever we picture some of these events, I think we picture them uh, in from a historical perspective, Obviously, we kind of think of the robes and the, the sandals and the, you know, the way people lived at that time. But at the same time, if Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever, let's put ourselves in these events in just in the way that he interacted with people. You can do it in the gospels. We've got uh, accounts, especially in his healing ministry, In the Gospels, you know, of course, multitudes came to him. John's Gospel said that he said if if all of the miracles had been written down, the world itself couldn't contain the books. You know, there, there were multitudes that came. Imagine if we knew every story of every person, every need that they had. We think of them in terms of masses, but God always looks at individuals. God always looks at people. God always looks at the heart. And so we don't have all of their testimonies, but the Holy Spirit inspired the writing of the New Testament. And so he chose certain examples that we would have, you know, on record, personal interaction with Jesus. And we basically have about 19 examples of healing that Jesus ministered to an individual person and how he talked to them and what he said that really answers probably every question you and I might have of how God might deal with us. Praise the Lord. But I think, again, sometimes we read them in a, from a historical perspective and we just kind of look at how we did it to them, not realizing if we put ourselves in their position, this is how God interacts with us because he's alive. Right. <laughs> Amen. So let's do this with the resurrection event in the ministry of Jesus. Put yourself in, in perspective here. Put yourself in the event. Yeah. Jesus died. 
He died. He wasn't temporarily dead. He died, died. For all intents and purposes, it was over in the hearts of the people. Isn't that right? We know the end of it. We know the rest of it. And so we don't get all torn up about the death as much as we probably should have. (laughs) Because in that horrible death, he paid the price for sin and sickness and disease. Don't ever think lightly of the things he went through. Uh, I don't know if you saw, remember a few years ago when that movie came out, The Passion of the Christ. And we were in the theater. I remember watching it in the theater. And the brutal beating that was going on. And it still wasn't what, it, what really happened. But it was pretty brutal in the movie. And there was a guy in the theater and, who just out loud said, What the? <laughs> really, seriously, dude, what are they doing to him? I mean, it moved him. What are they doing to him? In other words, because he didn't do anything. He was sinless, and yet what he took, he took that for you. He took that for me. Praise God. Folks that sometimes get flippant about, even just kind of casual about the grace of God. And uh, when they get casual about the grace and they think, well, praise the Lord, it's all been done, it's all been forgiven, we just, you know, move on and, and thank God for grace. But make no mistake, God counted every iniquity, every sin, every way we would miss it. He counted it all and laid it on Jesus himself. When Jesus was in the garden and said, Lord, if, it, if there's any way possible that this cup can pass from me. He wasn't talking about the physical pain he would experience on the cross. He wasn't just talking about the physical beating. He wasn't talking about the horrible death. He was talking about the weight of sin on a sinless man. That he would experience for the first time all the sin of the world and be actually separated from his father he'd never been separated from since the beginning of beginnings. God, if there's any way that I don't have to be separated from you, the agony of the separation of the Father because of sin. And yet we were all in death. We were all in sin, but Jesus came and rescued us with his own sacrifice. Amen. So this is all very personal, this exchange That he took for us our sin. And in turn, when we receive him, we receive his righteousness. But we know the now the, the spiritual aspect of it all. But when he died, and the disciples who had followed him for these three years in particular, the disciples and really many others other than the 12 that followed him, The people who were close to him during all that time. Did you know that he told them ahead of time the things that would happen? Didn't he? Many times, as a matter of fact. He told them ahead of time, I'm going to be delivered into the hands of sinful men. I'll be crucified. But on the third day, I'll rise. They all went, "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, that's right, amen. 
like we do when we hear any good news preaching. Until it affects us. Give and it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So you give and then there's something that happens after you give. Suddenly the enemy goes, now wait a second. Now you don't have X amount of dollars to do with what you thought you were going to do. Now what? And you go, oh, wait a minute. Now I don't have that. Well, the good news preaching said you'd have more than enough. And you believed it when you gave. And now it looks different. Now life happens, right? Now it looks like, and then you go, yeah, but, wait a minute, but he said, now it doesn't look like anything's happening. What do we do with that? And so Jesus told his disciples ahead of time what was going to happen to them, him, and yet while they listened to him and went, uh-huh, uh-huh, and in one place they went, what's he talking about? And nobody wanted to ask him. I felt embarrassed. What, 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 if we ask him, it will sound stupid. Sound like we don't know what he, well, we don't know what he's talking about. What is he talking about? And we do that sometimes with the word. We hear the word and we're like, oh, that sounds wonderful, but I don't really know how to do that. I don't really, but if I ask the pastor, I'll sound stupid. But life is meant to be lived with him. What we're hearing from the pulpit is meant to be applied, come on, to our lives on an everyday basis. It's not meant just so you know the Bible. It's so that you can use the Bible for your life. (laughs) Amen. This isn't just a place that we come to talk about the Bible and then you don't use it every day. This is meant to be lived The empowerment from God is meant to be used on an everyday basis. Glory to God. That's why we don't just celebrate his resurrection on one day. Because we've got him on the inside every day. Amen. So let's look with that in mind. Let's look here in Luke chapter 24, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning... They and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. Well, what were the spices for? For a dead body. <laughs> right? Now, there were, if you've, if you've never really looked into it, there are some fascinating things you can find, uh, especially now with all the information we've got online. You can find the actual timeline of what happened, you know, over the course of that week. Uh, there wasn't just one Sabbath on that week. There wasn't just one holy day on that week. And so there were days that they could, you know, the Bible says you're not, they're not to do any work on the Sabbath. And so, you know, they had to do some preparation on one day and then rest Well, there were a couple of those days in that week because there were certain feasts going on. So uh, when he died, then it came on that day where they weren't supposed to do any labor. So they couldn't prepare his body for burial the way that they would have wanted to, right? So he was dead. And so they wanted to prepare his body for burial because he was dead, So finally, when they could bring all that stuff, they brought it to the tomb. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. 
Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? What a question. Again, put yourself in this position. Put yourself in their position. All of a sudden, they see two angels going, why are you here? What are you even doing here? That's their question. Why are you here? And they've got all the spices. Duh. We came to prepare the body for a proper burial. And the angels are going, but why? He's not here. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. Which kind of tells me, too, that angels have zero capacity for unbelief. Zero capacity for unbelief. They just can't figure out why these people would have brought spices when he's not here. And their answer could have been, yeah, but. Which comes out of our mouths way too often. I know what you said, Lord, but look what it looks like. I know what you said, Lord. I heard the the preaching. I heard that, but this is what it looks like. How do you reconcile life in that manner? Because the world just takes what it gets. Christians don't have to. (laughs) Amen. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. Remember, remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Even the angels aren't just trying to convince them just by saying, well, he's not here. They brought him back to what Jesus said. Don't you remember what he said to you? Because that's what you can sink your teeth into. His word stands forever. Don't you remember what he said? I know what he said, but no. What did he say? He said this would happen. Well, I know he did, but that stuff doesn't just happen. People die and they're just dead. I know we saw it with Lazarus. And we saw it, you know, on a couple of other occasions. But this is just not how it's done. Besides that, he didn't just die, die. He was crucified. He was beaten beyond recognition. We saw the condition of his body. You don't recover from that. Don't you remember? And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the, to the 11 and to all the rest. So the ladies go back and tell all the disciples who were with him every day. 
It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales. And they did not believe them. So don't kick yourself if you're a little slow to believe sometimes. Here's the people who are with Jesus face to face every day for the last three years. Heard him say it several times. Remember he said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll build it up. And he was talking about his own body. In another place, he told them exactly what was going to happen. The chief priests, the elders, they're all they're going to crucify, crucify. I mean, even the manner of death, he told them exactly. You'd think they'd going, check one, check two, and then he said the third day he'd rise again. We're waiting. No, they didn't. They came with spices. Yeah, but. So even the disciples, they hear that he's alive, and they're like, nuh-uh. No, that can't be. They did not believe them. Again, we're not just talking about them, we're talking about us. When you're confronted with something, even though you know what God said, the temptation to just look at your circumstances as this is the way it is, that's normal. But don't stay there. Don't stay there. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb And stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Remember, he just denied he knew Jesus three times. Even though he says, I will go to the ends of the earth for you. And Jesus went, well, you're not where you think you are. Appreciate your saying so, but you're wrong. But when you're done, and when you're converted... Remember, he told him ahead of time, this is going to happen. Told him ahead of time, no, not me. No, 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 no. Listen, he knows us. That's why he tells us ahead of time. So that when we finally get our heart right and get back to him, we're like, I know what you said, and now I'll stand on it. In Mark's gospel, we don't have to turn there, but in Mark's gospel, the 16th chapter, the very famous uh, commission, the great commission, right? When Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that believes not will be condemned, right? And these signs will follow them that believe. We, we, we quote that all the time. But two previous verses ahead of time, it says he rebuked them for their unbelief concerning not believing the ones who said he was alive. First, he rebuked them for the hardness of their heart, he said. He said, you guys didn't even believe what I told you. And he rebuked them for it. He didn't go, it's okay. I know it's hard. It's so hard to believe. He didn't, he didn't hug them and say, I know it looked bad. I know. He rebuked them. He said, you saw it and you didn't believe it. Now, go into all the world and preach the gospel. In other words, now that you do believe, believe this too. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. These signs will fall and they've been, yes, sir, we believe it. 
and we should too. Amen. Now let's go on reading. <clears throat> we had the, the original 11 disciples and the, and the, the women who's, who had this testimony. Now there's two men walking from Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus, verse 13, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. So just a, a few hours walk. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. So all of a sudden now, here's these two guys walking from Jerusalem on on the road to to another town. And Jesus just, he's just walking with them. And they didn't know who he was. Their eyes were restrained, the Bible says. They didn't know who he was. Well, number one, in their minds, he's dead. Not expecting him to show up on the road, just walking along, right? His body, so mangled from all the beating and the crucifixion, they're not expecting him to take a walk the next couple, you know, a few days later. So they didn't know it was him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? I love this. Jesus, you realize what he just went through the last three days. He went to hell. For you and me, he went there. People say, I'm going through hell. No, you're not. You never will. But Jesus did. What you're going through or what you've gone through pales in comparison. He really did it for us. And God raised him up from the dead. And now he's just walking with the guys going, what are you guys talking about? What kind of conversation is this? What are you guys talking about? And why are you sad? Two questions. What are you talking about and why are you sad? He cares about you and how you're handling things. Amen? It's, in other words, it's not all clinical with him. Just stand on the word. No, he's asking, why, why, what's making you sad? What are you talking about and why are you sad? Verse 18, then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? In other words, everybody's talking about this. And here comes this guy, what are you guys talking about? Why are you sad? Are you serious? Have you not been watching the news? Do you not know what's going on? everybody's talking about it's like somebody going why are you wearing a mask where have you been it's the only thing everybody's talking about everybody knows about the virus everybody knows about this everybody what what do you mean what are you talking about we're talking about the things that have been going on in jerusalem and he goes what things seriously and why are you sad So they explained the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, 
who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Verse 21, but we were hoping, here's why they were sad. They told him the things they were talking about, but here's what made them sad. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. In other words, we had hoped he was who he said he was. But look now, where is he? He died. It's not looking like he's the redeemer. Things aren't looking the way I thought they would look. Have you ever had that question? Of course. Of course. We know what he said, but then we look at our situation. We go, well, how does, how does this play into it? How, does, how do I reconcile what I see with what I've heard? This is everyday life for the Christian. The choice is going back to what he said and choosing to believe that so you can experience that. But if you just go away sad, going, well, I, I'd really hope that when pastors talked about tithing, that whole prosperity thing, I don't know about that. <laughs> Starts with tithing <laughs> and giving. And then you go, well, so I tried that. Didn't look, it didn't look like anything really panned out. Didn't really look, well, you're not done yet. <laughs> It looks dead. Let's prepare this checkbook for its burial. Let's prepare the bank account for its burial. Now, it's not looking so good, but what did he say about it? There's resurrection power in your finances. There's resurrection power for your body. There's resurrection power for your family. There's resurrection power for every area of your life. If God has a word for it, we've got an experience. Amen. But too many times we go, yeah, well, that's dead. Well, too late for that. That's dead. And we just put it away as though it's buried. And Jesus shows up. What are you talking about? And why are you sad? I think it happens to us more than we realize. Because they didn't recognize him either. How many times has he shown up in your situation just as that still small voice on the inside going, what are you talking about? Even if it's just you. Because how many of you know we have conversations with ourselves a lot? And he'll jump right in on the conversation and go, what are you talking about? And why are you sad? Well, take the finances again, for example. Well, there's more going out than what's coming in. Yeah, why are you sad? Because there's more going out than what's coming in. Oh, I, I heard what you said about what's happening, but why are you sad? 
Well, because we had thought, here's where they did with him. We had thought, he was the one coming to redeem Israel. We had thought that what the pastor said was true. It doesn't look like it is. Here's your opportunity to learn to live by faith instead of only by your reasoning and only by this mental thing. Because the word of God, uh, faith is not knowledge. And knowledge is not faith. There is a point when you step out into that thing of going, yeah, but he said. Instead of, yeah, but here's what it looks like. Instead, of, instead you, you change that around going, this is what it looks like. But I remember what he said. And if he said something about this, that's what my heart will attach to. And once your heart attaches to it, not just your brain, but your heart, because God's always about the heart. He's not intellectual. He's not a mind. He's a spirit, John's gospel says. So once you attach your heart to what God said, now Faith gets involved, and faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is now where God can actually get involved instead of just the idea of God, the theory of God. Without faith, the Bible says, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, Hebrews 11, verse 6, must believe that, believe that he is, not just know that he is, believe that he is. It's a different word. Believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Not just believe that he came, not just believe that he exists, but also believe that he is a rewarder, which means you believe he's alive, and interactive with you. That you believe that an exchange is taking place. That an interaction is taking place. That a relationship is involved here. Praise God. Now that's life. In God. So Jesus said, what are you guys talking about? Why are you sad? Well, we thought he was going to be the one that would redeem Israel. And then they went on to say, and besides that, the women went to the tomb today and said he wasn't there. And they said they saw angels. And then two other guys went and they said that they, they saw the empty tomb and we don't know where Jesus is. We don't know what to think about any of this anymore. And look what Jesus' response was to them. Verse 25, hey guys, it's me, come and group hug, it's going to be okay, it's all right, it's me, I'm here. Did he let them get away with those thoughts? Yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through, Pastor. <laughs> this is my reality. This is my truth. <sighs> if you have to use a word before truth, you've just killed the word truth. 
There are no modifiers for that word. It either is or is it, it isn't. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So to say that, yeah, pastor, I heard what you preached and I heard what you, but my life is different. Sure, it can be. But until you choose the words of God to override the things that you're seeing, don't complain to God about it. And just say, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. It works for those that believe. These signs will follow them that believe. There's always a believing part for us to do in order to cooperate with God. It doesn't come on you just because you know the scripture. Once you know the scripture, the fight is on. Because once you've accepted the scripture, there will be opposition to it. Mark my words. Every time. But after a while, the, 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 the more you get used to this, because how many of you know there's a little bit of skill involved in being a believer? There's some repetition necessary. Like in any skill in your life, the more you do it, the better at it you can become. Just because you're a believer doesn't mean you're good at it. Right? My husband and I enjoy playing golf. My husband's good at it. But there's a reason he's good at it. He practices. He educates himself. He keeps on doing it. And if it's not the result he wants, he makes sure he's doing what's supposed to happen to get the result he wants. I, on the other hand, just enjoy playing golf. I don't really enjoy the practicing part. I'm not diligent in the practicing part. Therefore, if my results are different than his results, I can't just complain and say God likes him better. Well, it doesn't work for me. Well, why? I didn't work it. I didn't cooperate with what is possible for me. But that's, that's in any area of life, including walking with God. Because walking with God is a relationship. It's not a book of rules and behaviors. It's relationship. And, and skill in relationship with people takes fellowship. <laughs> to where you get to know the other individual. Till you get to know how they work and how they act. You can know how God works and acts. Number one, he's already said so. If you don't know, you can find out. There's nothing hidden here that's not readily available to find out what God said about your situation. And if you don't know, I'll be honest with you, Siri can even help you. (laughs) 
If you know a part of a verse that you've heard, where is that? I don't know. I've heard something about it. You can go, and, and I hope nobody's phone is on because now you're hearing me. She'll answer. But we all the time, hey, Siri, where's the scripture that says something about this? And she'll say, here's what I found. Check it out. And it's right there. Look at that. I can find the scripture. We got help. So what was Jesus' response to these guys? It's okay. I know it's hard. No, he didn't. Look what he said. Oh, foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe. Slow of heart to believe what? In all that the prophets have spoken. In other words, it's already written. God's will and purpose has already been declared and you've been slow to believe it. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Still didn't tell him who he was. But what did he do? The angels, remember, said to the women, don't you remember what he said? He took them back to the word. Jesus himself, instead of just going, hey, it's me, takes them back to the word. This is the standard that will stand the test of time. There is a standard. This book may be old or ancient, but it's not old. It's relevant today as it's ever been. People would like to change it and say things have changed, therefore this has changed. No, this has not changed. Therefore things shouldn't. (laughs) Things need to line up with this. Instead of the other way around. This is not changing. God's word will stand forever. But when we stand on it, then things change in our life. So Jesus took him right back to the word. How awesome is that? Praise the Lord. And then they did something smart. Verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him saying, abide with us. For it's toward the evening and the day is far spent. Smart thing, come home with us. Are you doing that? When you leave these doors, please don't leave Jesus here. Don't leave him just in the, in the book. Don't put your book on the table, your Bible on the table and leave him there and all your answers there. Bring him home into your heart, into your everyday life. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him, and he vanished. (laughs) As soon as they knew who he was, boom, he's gone. Because once you know who he is, you don't have to see him. You don't have to see him. 
But what about some of these other things that Jesus comes in the middle of and says, what are you guys talking about? (laughs) And why are you sad? Maybe you're at the doctor's office sitting on what I call the butcher paper. (laughs) You may be in there all by yourself having a conversation with yourself after what the doctor just said to you or about what the doctor might just say to you, might be about to say. Because after all, you're there to get some kind of answers for something. And Jesus might walk in, you're not even expecting Jesus to come into the doctor's office. But he says, "Uh, what are you talking about? And why are you sad? Number one, be honest with him what you're talking about. Because then he can talk to you. Then the next question, why are you sad? What are you talking about? Well, I just got this report from the doctor. Oh, and why are you sad? Well, because I just got this report from the doctor. And then why are you sad? Why would we be sad? Because at some, th- some point we're thinking that that is the final answer what would make you sad is if you didn't have an answer for what the doctor just said like those guys we thought that he was the one well he is the one right so if he really is the one then why are you sad you're not sad so the doctor you know jesus says why what are you talking about why you're sad well i got this report from the doctor oh and what will he take you back to the word who himself bore in his own body on the tree our sin, that we would be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen? And by whose stripes ye were healed. In other words, if you believed what he did then, why would you be sad? You go, oh, wait a minute, that's right. By his stripes I was healed. Oh, there's no reason to be sad. I've got an answer besides the one the doctor gave me. I've got another, I've got something else. I've got truth over what I see. Whose report will you believe? Both in the Old and the New Testament it says, whose report will you believe? Isaiah said, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Who is the arm of the Lord revealed to? Those that believe his report. Sometimes we go, well, I'm I'm believing for a good report from the doctor. Don't believe for a good report from the doctor. That's unscriptural. Why are you waiting for the doctor to give you a good report? You've already got one. Yeah, but, oh yeah. (laughs) I'm not supposed to say yeah, but. Yeah, but my body's doing this. I know. Why are you sad? Because you haven't yet believed what he actually said about it. But when you do and you open your heart, resurrection power comes in and raises that from the dead. Glory to God. What are you talking about and why are you sad? I hope you'll think about that every time you have a conversation with yourself now. 
Because Jesus can walk right into your bedroom, right into your car, right into your kitchen while you're thinking about things and mulling it over. Because if you think about a thing too much, it also is a habit of unbelief. How am I going to fix this? What am I going to do about this? And you find yourself going to that all the time without going to what he said. You're going to find he's right there to go, what are you talking about? And why are you sad? Be honest. Oh, I was talking about this and I was sad because I just haven't yet hung on to what you said. I'm getting there, Lord. Help me. Help me get there. Help me see what you've said. Help me believe what you said. Remember that one man that said, help my unbelief? Sometimes folks, they just say, I'm just not there yet. My mother-in-law was famous for saying, famous to me, for saying, I want to believe that. We'd give her the good news about something, she'd go... Oh, I just, I want to believe that. And I just always want to go, well, then go ahead. Because <laughs> her answer, I want to believe that means that sounds really good, but I'm just not there. But I want to believe that is still not there. But why not believe someone who cannot lie? Who cannot lie. Can you look at add another scripture with me for a moment? Titus, the first chapter. Titus chapter 1. Verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ... According to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness, verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word, his word through preaching. Praise God. Notice he said, in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised. The times that you thought, why why am I sad about this? If God can't lie. So Paul said, in hope of eternal life. Now, now I want to call your attention to when he said, in hope of eternal life. That word hope uh, isn't the way that we use hope in our vocabulary. When we talk about hope, usually it's in an uncertain thing, in an uncertain context. I hope something happens. I hope something doesn't happen. In other words, this is my desire, what I would like, but I just don't have any concrete evidence that it's going to be so. That's how we use the word hope. I hope it rains. I hope it doesn't rain. I hope this, I hope that, but we're just kind of going, this is the way, if I had it my way, this is the way it would be, but I just don't know. Right? That's how we use the word hope. Well, the Bible doesn't use the word hope that way. Because if that that was true, and Paul, who wrote nearly two-thirds of the New Testament, (laughs) said in hope, gee, I sure hope this is going to happen. 
Sure would be nice if eternal life was available. You never know. If he used it in that context, we'd all be in big trouble today. Right? No, in, uh, in, the, in the epistle of John, it says, we know we've passed from death unto life. We know it. How can we know it? Paul said here, in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised. So the word hope here, really, and in, in context, and anywhere in the New Testament you see the word hope, it's not a desire, it's an expectation. Expect is different than desire. You can desire something and not expect it. You can expect something and not desire it. People are expecting COVID. Doesn't mean they're desiring it. They just expect they'll get it. Doesn't mean they want it. Right? But you can also desire to be healed and not expect it. You can want it really bad. You can be tired of being sick. You can be tired of being in pain and still never expect to be changed. That's why Jesus said, why are you sad? Because you're not expecting anything. We had hoped it was this way. We really thought it was this way, but it doesn't look like it. Therefore, my hope is gone. I have no expectation. But when the word comes, the one who cannot lie promised, now their expectation is available. Now there's something you can sink your teeth into. Now it's because he cannot lie. It's not just some pie in the sky. Wouldn't it be nice if God was really real? Wouldn't it be nice if God's word was really true? It is true because he cannot lie. He doesn't just tell the truth. He is truth. He is truth. And when you make that determination, not in your mind, but in your heart, that's faith. And that's when resurrection power can happen for you. And that's when your eyes can be opened just like theirs. And all of a sudden, I see it. I see it. Now I don't have to see it. I see it. I've got it. I I know it. I've got it in my heart of hearts. It's real to me. He's real to me. Healing is real to me. Prosperity is real to me. Life is real to me because of him. All because of this day we celebrate because it all changed when he was raised up from the dead. Everything changed because Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave so that we're not at a dead end anymore in any area of our life. Now, everything he promised, he is able also to perform in the life of a believer. Praise God. Any believers in the room this morning? Any believers in the room this morning? Hallelujah. Glory to God. He can not lie. When you're tempted to be sad, just go back to, he can't lie. He can't lie. Change the channel in your mind. He can't lie. And convince yourself and your heart first. He can't lie. 
He can't lie. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but he can't lie. He can't lie. Find out what he said. What did he say about it? Jesus himself took in himself and on his body when he was beaten, he took every stripe on his back for your healing. He can't lie. He took it. I said he took it. Glory to God. If you're dealing with symptoms in your body or sickness or injury or pain or whatever it is, he took it. He can't lie. Resurrection power is available for you today. Resurrection power is available for you today in your life and in your body. Oh, I haven't seen anything change yet. But he can't lie. Don't you remember what he said? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Come on, let's lift up our hands and thank him. Just thank him right now. He can't lie. He can't lie. And just like those guys out on the road that day, walking along and talking about the things we've been going through, Jesus said, what are you talking about? Why are you sad? Oh, forgive us for being sad. (laughs) Forgive us for not recognizing you and your truth. Oh, but we do now. We see your truth now. We see what you have for us now and we believe. We choose to believe. Jesus, you took the penalty for our sin. You took the stripes on your back for our wholeness, our soundness, our health. Oh, we thank you that you paid the price and we believe it today. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your goodness today. Praise your name. Come on, let's praise him right now. Let's praise him together. Hallelujah. Out of your own mouth. Thank him for his faithfulness. Thank him for being risen from the dead so that everything now is opened up to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. His resurrection power is here this morning for you to affect something in you today. Glory to God. Not just to hear another word about Easter, but to truly hear that resurrection power is available for you and your own body today. If if God raised him from the dead, how much more, the Bible says, will he quicken your mortal body? Praise God and make you alive today. Resurrect the things that you thought were dead, the things you thought were permanent. Well, this is just the way it is now. How many times did Jesus approach somebody who'd had a situation for years or maybe even from birth? There was a man at the pool of Bethesda 
John's gospel, the fifth chapter, and Jesus came to him. He said, do you want to be well? Love that question. You want to be well? And the man said, I don't, I don't understand the question. I, the only way I know to be well is to get in that water when it's stirred up, and I've never been able to be the one to get in first, and so I, I just don't know any other way. But Jesus was there. That man had been there for a very long time. And Jesus' only question wasn't, why are you here? His question wasn't, what got you here? What's your problem? He just said, do you want to be well? He raises things that are dead. Do you want to be well? And he said then, get up. Pick up your bed and go on home. Could you pick up your bed today? Change your life today? You can if you'll believe him. Amen. And in Mark's gospel, the 16th chapter, we, we referred to it earlier. He said, these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they'll get sicker. Is that what he said? No. No, there's no reason to be afraid of contact from Jesus. Everybody's talking about contactless everything now. But Jesus is a contact, contact person. The contact. People made contact with him. People touched him, wanted to touch him. Why? Because power was going out of him. Same thing happens with believers. These signs will follow them that believe in my name. They will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Why? Because God's power flows through believers into one another. Yeah, but mm, no, we're going by what he said. We're going by what he said. That's what he said. Oh, well, in that case, there's no reason to be sad. In that case, there's reason to be expectant, isn't there? Because of what he said. Not just because I want it real bad. Oh, I want to be healed. No, I'm, I'm saying it because I believe what he said. He said, this is what will happen. In my name, they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You want to hear a great testimony that just happened last Sunday? Just last Sunday, I was in New York ministering. And on Sunday evening, uh, we went to go minister to some folks by the laying on of hands. And the first person we ministered to, her testimony was this. She had several blood clots that the doctors were very concerned about because she had just recently had a clot that burst in her brain. And uh, she had a brain bleed. And then as a result of the surgery, she lost her sight in her left eye. She could no longer see in her left eye. And she was concerned because there were more clots that could travel and do other damage. And so we were ministering to her about these clots. And uh, then we ministered to her, laid hands on her, myself and another pastor who had just received a healing in his eyes uh, just that week uh, also. And so we both ministered to her. And I said, now cover up the eye that you used to call your good eye. So she covered this one. This is the one that can't see. And this eye is going all over the place because she can't focus on anything. It's all over the place. I said, cover up the other eye. So she went, all right, praise God. You know, not, not, she didn't really seem to expect much. After all, she's blind, dead, 
dead life. It's not usually that direction. <laughs> it's usually dead flatline. Don't expect something different. But God. But God. So she, while she's covering that eye, I said, look at me. <laughs> well, her eye's going all over the place. I said, no, look at me. Look at me. And finally it goes. And she went. She, I heard, she went, I can see. I can see. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, if that was you, you'd be happy. Oh, she was happy. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. She was blind in that eye. But Jesus came. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Just Friday night, we were up in Madison, Alabama, and a woman who came who had a thyroid condition, and she had uh, uh, nodules on her thyroid, and actually you could see a pretty large bump right there. And she said, and as you can see, I have this big bump here. And so we ministered to her by the laying on of hands. And uh, she received. I said, now feel up there again, because I could see that it was gone. I said, now feel up there again. And she went, and I mean, she screamed. She screamed. She couldn't even talk in English. She was just all over the place. She was screaming and running around that room. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He's real. I said, he's real. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, we could tell you lots of those kinds of testimonies. I'm just saying that wasn't, you know, in another continent a million years ago. That was this week. He's real. His resurrection power is real. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I just keep getting in my heart. And this could be for somebody online or...